Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, and my guest today is a reasonable voice in so many uh, uh, social issues and human issues, and, and, and I just love his work. In any case, he is film director Sanjay Raul. Uh, Sanjay worked in the human rights and international development sectors for 15 years and in over 40 countries before focusing his love for photography and storytelling onto filmmaking. His first two shorts, Ocean Monk, 2010, and Challenging Impossibility, 2011, were screened in over 20 festivals, including Tribeca, St. Louis, and Locarno. Sanjay then directed his first feature, Food Chains, and that's when I met him, which premiered at the 2014 Berlinale and then screened at Tribeca before securing domestic distribution from screen media. The film chronicled the battle of a small group of farm makers, the Coalition of Immaculate Workers, CIW, against large supermarkets and fast food chains. Welcome to The Reasonable Voices, Sanjay. How are you? Well, Marcello, it's an honor to be back. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, and it's always enlightening, but I think we're going to break all records with this discussion. So, your new documentary... 3100 Run and Become, says a lot in the title. It's been called an uplifting, intimate portrait of endurance runners and what motivates them. And it opens around the U.S. in theaters at special events, film festivals, throughout the summer and fall of 2018, as soon as August, yes? That's correct. We open in Santa Fe and Albuquerque in August and roll out week by week throughout the country before hitting New York at the end of October. Wow. And it all started with an unassuming Finnish paper boy? Tell us about that. That's correct. There's a, yeah, the, the, the world of, of long-distance running is varied and extremely interesting. The kind of modern version of long-distance running began actually in New York City in the late 1800s. Oh. There were things called pedestrians and those were multi-day walking races held in Madison Square Garden around a quarter-mile loop. 
and as one can imagine, there was a lot of betting as to who would walk <laughs> the most miles in a week. In the 80s, that was actually revived by the founder of the New York City Marathon, Fred Lebo, as well as a local Indian spiritual teacher named Sri Chinmoy. And those races were held around a one-mile loop at the Flushing Meadow Park where the 1964 uh, World's Fair was held. And, you know, it just it sparked kind of a renaissance around the world for these multi-day endurance events mm. where people would try to do the most they could. And it culminated in a race that's held every summer in Queens around a half-mile sidewalk loop where people from around the world come and try to average 60, 60, or 60 miles a day over the 52-day window wow. uh, to try to run 3,100 30, 30, miles. Wow. And so our film basically chronicles the, that race and one particular runner, um, a paper boy from Finland, as he tries to complete the race a record-breaking 14th time. Oh, wow. He, he had done the race 13 times. Um, and, you know, his, his lifestyle is incredibly Spartan. He lives in a small cabin outside Helsinki, delivers papers, as, as he's done for the last 20 years, mm. delivers papers for 10 hours a day, and trains his mind through the simplicity of his lifestyle. His story alone, but the race, the way his his life story, or, or, or actually his actually running his life story, is has rippled out all over the world. Uh, what what is the t- title of uh, your documentary? Is it Thirty One Hundred Run and Become? That's correct. Okay. You know, I, I, I have to say it would be the most boring movie in the world to just show people running around a uh, half mile loop over uh, and over. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But to show how and why these distances are even possible, you know, we go around the world and interweave stories of a, a Navajo ultramarathon champion. The, the Native American traditions of running are, are, are long and deep. And running isn't just a way of life. Running is a way to connect mm. your feet to Mother Earth, your breath to Father Sky. We spent time with the Kalahari Bushmen, one of the last groups on Earth that do what we all did hundreds of thousands of years ago, mm. um, hunt by running, yes. gather food by walking. And they're under tremendous pressure from their government to like modernize and to end this ancestral way of life. And we, we filmed them. And lastly, we spent time with an elusive group of monks in Japan that take, an, one, take one aspirant every 12 years to run a thousand days of an incredibly difficult, incredibly arduous courses in the pursuit of enlightenment. I've only seen the trailer, but I know what you're speaking of because the trailer is quite impactful as well. You've touched on this, but let me let me just review a little bit. Why run a 3,100-mile race? And you've already mentioned things like self-fulfillment, awareness of soulful evolution. The trailer says runners will be changed for the better. Tell me about those things. How is that different from any other run? You know, it, it, it's interesting because I, I did a six-day race a few years ago, and you know, anybody who has experience with running knows that, like, on certain runs, on certain days, we have the experience of kind of getting into the zone or the flow, and you know, the, the mind's problems begin melting away. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I ran this six-day race. And it took me about five days 
of running for my mind to completely shut off. Mm. And, and, and when it did, and I, I kid you not when I say this, it's like a big, I understood like, mm. you know, like the, the, like some of the, like the very deep truth that had some very powerful realizations about myself. And that came through running. Wow. And when we, when we spent time with the Kalahari Bushmen who've been running and hunting for 125,000 years, uh, they told us like, you know, running and religion were intertwined. Like we didn't develop like the Kalahari said, the Bushmen said, like, we didn't develop cosmology around our running because we were forced to um, kind of give meaning to this activity that, that, that supported our survival. They said running was the way we have always connected with our holy people, with our ancestors, with the living power of Mother Nature. Mm. And that's deep. Like, like their, their culture is more than 100,000 years older than the oldest known religion. Wow. And so, in a sense, like, running was the religion of humanity. Mm. And what, what does that mean? It means that, that as, as, as animals, you know, we're, we're animals. As animals, you know, the act of running unlocks something very deep in our evolutionary consciousness. Mm. And we, we don't do it now because we don't have to, and it's a shame because it's not that we've ever had to for physical reasons alone, mm-hmm. but we had to for spiritual reasons. Hmm. That is, wow, that, that in itself causes one to kind of look inward and, and ask, because you're right. It, uh, and I think, too, I, I wanted to make this point, but you've already made it, I guess, that the, although this has certainly overtones of um, Buddhism and whatever religious beliefs one may have, it really is goes a little, I hope I don't offend any of the religious, I'm a religious man, but uh, it goes beyond religion as we know it, and may I say for the most part, as we practice it, certainly in the West, it goes to um, well. Well, one of one of the uh, people in your documentary says you you get up and run as the sun is rising because you you run to celebrate life because because it's a form of prayer. Uh, you run for enlightenment, as you've said. Uh, you run to survive, and you run to heal. Man, Sanjay, tell us. Wow. Is, is it... You know, I, 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 I love that, 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 that symbolism. Um, and I, I, I think it, 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 it's not an issue with the core of what religions are, um, but I think it's, a, it's an issue with how we practice modern religion. Yes. Even, even, if, you, even if you look at, like, we'll call them younger religions, like Christianity, all oh, 2,000 years old, and that younger, like, versus Buddhism, which is 5,000 years old, or Hinduism, Hinduism, um, and even younger religions, like Islam, you know, which is, you know, less than, less than 1,000 years old, pilgrimage, going places by foot, mm. was an incredibly important part, and it wasn't, like, think about it, like, pilgrimages are hard. Yes. You know, it's, they're, they're you're going hundreds of miles, and it wasn't because people didn't have horses, mm-hmm. you know. But not now. We've, we've almost almost made like religion lazy. Like mm. you know, we drive places, we put our like headphones and, and meditate off of off the 
implications, but we've neglected the role of the body in spiritual practice. Hmm. You know that. Yes, yes. Body and mind, soul united. Uh, yes, you're you're absolutely right. And after all, yes, they not only had horses, they had camels and elephants as well. But they chose to walk. That was part of what a pilgrimage was and is. Uh, well, let's say this: if we haven't made it clear already, Sanjay's new documentary is thirty-one run and become is more than about races and running although there's one fellow who says <laughs> in the uh, in the trailer he says this is a journey but it's also a race is that just his competitive spirit or what i love that you know it, it, it's like, it, like the, the idea of self-transcendence like the concept of like going beyond your previous capacity mm-hmm. um, and, and I think this ties into pilgrimage. Like, you know, if, if you're having a really, really difficult day, I would imagine, on a long pilgrimage, mm-hmm. and it's just the fact that you're with other people gives you the energy and inspiration to go on. Mm. Um, and in this, in the 3,100-mile race, you know, there, there, there came a point, and people can see it in our movie, there came a point where the, 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 the two frontrunners were neck and neck, mm. and... seen of the trailer and uh, what you're telling us today. It's just, uh, it's it's like becoming intermediaries between each other and the universe and all of humanity. Is that too much to say? I, I, I would say that, that's very accurate. And, and, and I, I must admit, I although I ran a lot in high school, I was fast at short sprints, you know, and hurdles and whatever, 100-yard dash, but but I haven't run much lately. It's 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 re. What do I want to say? It's renewing to hear you talk about this. It's it's not just inspiring, which is a great thing, but it kind of renews one's focus. As you say, we we all started by walking and running, and the hunters, and uh, otherwise we wouldn't have survived as a human race. Even running for safety, you know. Um, well, I tell you what, let's take a short break. This is um, this is tremendous. We are talking with film director Sanjay Raul. We'll be right back. Stay with us. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday Morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord Praised, yes, the Lord is greatly. 
Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My Reasonable Voice guest today is film director Sanjay Raul, and we've been talking about his new documentary, 3100 Run and Become. It is far more than a documentary about racing, I assure you. But, you know, speaking of which, the New York Times, uh, how did it describe it? I think it was the ultimate the ultimate in foot racing and the longest certified uh, foot race in the world. Was, is, am I quoting them exactly or close? That, that, that's correct. The 3,100-mile self-transcendence race is the longest certified running race in the world. Wow. And once you choose, uh, I think was one of the things the monk said, once you choose the, your path, this path, uh, you accept the hardship. What are some of those hardships? I mean, I, I heard things about uh, you needed to gain weight to run because you're going to lose so much. Blisters and toe issues and running on the sidewalk uh, can be challenging. But not all, of course, the runners run on the sidewalk, as we've been discussing. And um, But most of all, running with meditative focus. Um, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's the body, the mind, the spirit, the soul coming together in this 3100 run and become that. So all of those issues, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, psychological, kind of come together, I think as you've described it much better, come together um, as one. And at some point they are inseparable or maybe they are separated. You tell me. Exposes the concept of running as a ritual, mm-hmm. where it, it's not even about the journey of getting from place to place, but it's about your experiences at every moment during that journey. Mm. Um, it's about your conscious awareness of your body, about your breath, of your heart, your mind, and ultimately your soul, and understanding that, like, running with a spiritual focus is one of the most powerful activities that one could do. Mm. It, it isn't like, it isn't like kind of a, a new age theory. Um, the film really, really explored how important and integral running was to humanity um, in our earliest, earliest, you know, millennia of, 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 of existence. And to kind of extrapolate the use of, of running now for very specific spiritual purposes by the, the monks of Mount Hiai in Japan, the, they were the first that that brought Buddhism from China to Japan, and they founded Tendai Buddhism, which is the, the, the one might say was the precursor um, of Zen Buddhism. Mm. Um, we look at, at the, 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 the running uh, spirituality of the Kalahari Bushmen, the oldest tribe um, in existence on the planet at 125,000 years, wow. and at, at the role that running played with Native American cultures. Um, as, as you know, like there were actually in modern history, in the last like in the last like twenty five, thirty thousand years, there were no horses in North America. Mm. Horses were only brought by the Spanish conquistadors. Mm-hmm. Um, so Native Americans to go from place to place, long distances, uh, would either would, would either roam by foot, but if they wanted to spread messages or or, <laughs> or do it good, they would run. Wow. And you know, there's there's something deep. The idea of running 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 miles um, through desert, through mountains, and what it takes to be able to do that um, and 
Native Americans would, would, would consciously channel um, and learn to channel the, the power of, of Mother Earth and Father Sky to give them the energy to achieve those great distances. You know, I, I, I certainly was very much aware of uh, Native Americans running and walking great distances, but did was that still the case when with when Columbus or, uh, arrived and others arrived from Europe? Were we original, uh, the second original Americans? Were we the invaders of Native Americans, uh, walkers as well? You know, the, the, the horse brought um, advantages to Native American tribes, and, and certain tribes, they use horses better than, than others. Um, at, at the same time, you know, Native American running was really, really strong up until the times when, you know, depending on the tribe, uh, the U.S. government or, or colonial forces forced Natives onto reservations. They, they separated them from their ancestral food systems. Mm. They, you know, they annihilated them, killing elders, and that's effectively destroying the, their spirituality. Mm. Uh, and so now in Indian country, you know, you see a, 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 a metastasizing of, of nutritionally based issues like obesity and, and diabetes. Yes. Um, at, at the same time, like you don't see uh, the, the the same type of participation in. You know, there's so much that's so spiritually moving, uh, as we've been discussing, and and so mind-expanding. Uh, I, I just how, in a practical sense, did you? How, how was it making a documentary that answers such soul-searching questions like, um, "What would you do to transform your life?" I mean, wow! How far would you go to change yourself? I mean, any one of these is just uh, amazing. And and this last one got to me because I think only because, um, uh, as I mentioned to you off air, my right knee is giving me trouble. Would you drive? Would you fly? Would you run? How how did you approach that? I mean, it seems huge, <laughs> to put it mildly. Really, really good question. Um, you know, we, we really began organizing this film as we began meeting these representatives of, of these cultures. We, we, we didn't want to, you know, lay out questions that we were tackle. We wanted it to be a, a deeper exploration into things that we didn't know. Uh, mm. So the, the main, main the challenge or task was getting access. Um, and it was through that access that people began sharing with us why they run and why they've always run. 
Yes. And we kind of dis- we discovered the stories from the people themselves, as, as opposed to necessarily reading about certain stories or reading about certain um, like documentation of, of these cultures. Um, hmm. Most of which doesn't actually really exist, or if, if it does, it's, it's incorrect. Um, so the the film is very much character driven, and and our characters are, were the ones that posed these great questions yes. that were challenging these Yes, I can see that from the trailer. You're absolutely right. Yes. How, and, and another, another was said that somehow running this, running the 3100 mile race to become, I love that. It's, it also opens us up to our responsibility to help others. How does that, how did that fit in for you? You know, it, 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 it's interesting because all of our characters feel like they're not just running for themselves, they're running for humanity. Mm. And, you know, I, I kid you not, one of the kind of deepest experiences that a lot of these runners um, who approach running with spirituality feel is that by connecting themselves to greater energies in the earth, in the air, in the sky, deep within themselves, mm-hmm. they're making their own lives better. And, 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 and simply doing so, they're making the world better. It's it, the same, uh, like kind of a same adage that like, you, you want to better the world, you know, start by bettering yourself. Yes. Um, and like, it, 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 they don't feel that, that that transformational power is something that you can reflect on, you know, over the past few decades of your life. Like they actually feel they're running like like make that they're making progress day by day by day, um, and so that that that, that it, it was it's just a mind blowing experience that when these people are running these long distances for spiritual purposes, they actually feel like they're they're legitimately being of service mm. um, to humanity, and it's an experience that that kind of defies description. Yes, but it's an experience that we've seen is a. Is a pretty much universal one, no matter what tradition the runners are, are, are kind of basing their own spirituality in. Yes. And at the very least, they are leading us by example. And that's always a, a, a great impression and impact on me. Uh, and it's a great adventure, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, you it, 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 it's great adventure. I don't know what else to say. Uh, to to try this and to and to accomplish this, and so many people around the world, and it's growing. Yes, with each, what is this? The twenty second annual? Did I get that correct? That's correct. And it's is it growing? It's participants numbers are growing. That, that that's absolutely correct. Um, you know, people can learn more about our film at thirty one hundred film dot com, um, and the subtransition thirty one hundred mile race is actually in its 22nd running this summer. So if people just Google self-transcendence 3100 mile race, they'll go to that page and they'll be able to see daily videos of the people that are participating this summer um, and that, that get a flavor of, of what the day-to-day challenges are. And we'll give those uh, websites again before we go for sure. But thank you. And uh, so... I think the uh, one thing I don't know if I asked that I was curious about as well as 
everything else that this has been about this conversation. The, oh yes, I did mention, but I don't know, but the one has to gain weight because of the the running and, and what do they mean by always thinking in laps? I love that. You know, these, these runs take a, a tremendous amount of calories each day. Mm. Um, and so, like, you know, when, when people run the, or when people swim the English Channel, you know, they, 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 they literally need more body fat than the normal swimmer because they have to hold in their heat. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the runners doing these, these 45, 50-day races, they, they want to actually start with a high body fat percentage um, because the first few weeks, you're burning your fat, then you're really burning the carbs, then you're burning your muscle, mm. and you don't you don't want to get to that stage where you're burning your muscle exactly. because that's when you stop you start dropping weight. Um, so people come in with with a, a healthy enough like like layer of, of fat just because they know it's going to burn. Yes, and it's, it's inherent energy. Mm. All right then. Well, this has been incredible. We've been talking about the 22nd Annual Self-Transcendence 3100-Mile Race, a documentary as well, directed by our Reasonable Voice guest today, film director Sanjay Raul. And Sanjay, before we go, let's, um, let's give those websites where we can reach, be involved, know what's going on even more. People can find out where to purchase tickets and what our, our theatrical schedule is going to be at www.3100film.com and it's at 3100film.com. We're on Instagram at 3100film and we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash 3100film. Fantastic. Okay, we should go, but Sanjay, I'd like you to tell us uh, what do you want us to get from this conversation, from your documentary, and from the race itself? What's that takeaway for us you want us to have? Well, I'd, I'd love people to just, to just even see the trailer. Um, and hear one of our Navajo characters talk about like what you referenced, that running is a celebration of life. Mm. Uh, run, running is a teacher. Um, running is a way that we can deepen our own understanding of ourselves. And for people who don't like running or have had bad experiences running, to realize that through athletics, through, through, through any type of motion where we focus on our breath, whether it's yoga, whether it's walking, the more conscious we are when we do that, the more spiritual progress we can actually make. Mm. Okay. Excellent. All right. We, uh, Sanjay, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, we've been talking to uh, film director Sanjay Raul, and we've been talking about his uh, documentary, which is being released around the country uh, in festivals and theaters and, uh, and wonderful places. Beginning in August 2018, it's about this 22nd annual self-transcendence 31-mile race. Race and become. I love it. Thank you, Sanjay, so much for being on the show again. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we've connected once more. Thank you so much for your time and interest, Marcello. Thank you. Be well. Absolutely. You too. All the best now. Bye-bye. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Australian director Bruce Beresford has been a well-respected director since his 1980 breakthrough film, Break a Morant. 
with such Oscar-recognized films as Driving Miss Daisy and Tender Mercies to his credit, it should come as no surprise that he is a master of manipulated emotion. Mao's Last Dancer tells the true story of Li Kunsen, plucked as a child from farm life in rural China to become a state-trained ballet dancer. Li was a part of Mao Zedong's plan to develop great athletes and artists who could demonstrate to the world the triumph of Chinese communism. He is ultimately chosen by the state to travel to America, representing the superiority of his homeland. Lee interns with the Houston Ballet Theater and becomes a star. When he decides to defect and remain in America, a potentially embarrassing major international incident looms. It's tempting to write off this film as jingoist propaganda and a manipulative tearjerker, but it is also a story well told, with great beauty in the dance and a basis in historical fact. Yes, Mao's Last Dancer is touching and magnificent entertainment. Tears do flow, and that's just fine with us. Indie Film Minute, not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Ask ourselves: Who, what, where, when, why, and how Donald Trump? Resist being duped by the dancing red laser beam programmed by talking and cokeheads, and start asking the five W's and how our news media is failing to see current Trump administration events through the lens of our First Amendment and deep throat lessons. Before Trump pants, we could occasionally rely on newspapers and radio, if not always TV media, to give us Jack Webb's. Just the facts, ma'am. Regarding how the how and five W's corroborated the truth, albeit reminiscent of the forgotten Fourth Estate standards honored by Edward R. Morrow, Chet Huntley, David Brinkley, and the man who, like Rachel Maddow, wept for our nation on national television, Walter Cronkite. You want to know answers? Sadly, Colonel Nathan R. Jessup was correct. We can't handle the truth if we're in lockstep with herd mentality, allowing marketing ads to successfully brand us madmen fighting among ourselves, relentlessly ignoring a house divided cannot stand, instead of following Putin's Russian rubles. Shall we now, at long last, recognize, admit, and accept responsibility for? Our repetitive voting pendulum's pinball machine approach to elections, both reflecting and inciting radical Newton's third law mood swings, from keeping our democratic republic to rippling democratic calls for an Arab Spring to backlash swinging toward the comfort zone of what's forever gone with the wind. Centuries after Sodom and Gomorrah and Amnon raping his half-sister Tamar, we've almost learned from Me Too and Times Up how to indict the aggressive, harassing predator of sexual assault rather than re-persecuting those assaulted, regardless of gender. Before Bush-Cheney's endless oil wars, we protested LBJ's and Nixon's Vietnam geographical death, maimed and brain-damaged war escalations. Ultimately, however, confusing Americans in uniform whose lives were put in harm's way with the lies of the presidents who sent them. 
Following precedent set by Mark Foley's assault on congressional pages and Larry Craig's wide stance pickup line, we've endured Republican hypocrisy, publicly bashing LGBTQ rights while men like Ed Schrock and former RNC chair Ken Mailman secretly experimenting with her sexuality, possibly even ignoring the pleas for help from sexually abused Ohio State students. Much too soon after the gun violence of Columbine and Sandy Hook flung open America's identity extremes, accepting blue-on-black shootings and Pulse, Las Vegas, and Parkland mass murders, the NRA partnered with Russian spies to raise Putin's puppet above our old glory. Before little Miss Maria Butina offered entry to her Kurds and Way for access to an alleged sex offender accused of raping a 13-year-old girl, President Warren G. Harding invited little Miss Britain over to the White House for more than a lap dance. Before AMI, Manhattan Madam, and Roger Stone reveal, we were mute pretty much when our freedom to take a knee, to honor lives cut short by racism, bigotry, hate, and vehicular murder was maligned by a fake patriot. Before 45 chose a poisonous murderer over America's intelligence agencies, voting Democrats, by a margin of 65,845,063 to 62,900,160 valiantly attempted to defend the land of the free from a Russian takeover of our electoral process to implant a groper-in-chief and his selective Christian vice backup. Long before our 45th president, our FBI and CIA led by example, bringing to justice American KGB moles, CIA Aldrich Hazen Ames, and FBI's Robert Philip Hansen. Since 1776, reasonable Americans have borne the weight of those clinging to past comfort zones. And now we must resist becoming some of the people, all of the time, who believed claims of baby trafficking in a pizza shop basement were true. Before SCOTUS legalized same-sex marriage, a rainbow of Americans defeated Axis powers, and our 2018 votes, alerting Putin and his USA allies, will defeat the trumped GOP with this far, but no farther. In 2018, let us emulate Abraham Lincoln and Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us, electing to embody an American dream for all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, by supporting Americans who are the answer to our call for reinvigorated thinking and justice for all, like Abigail Spanberger, Leslie Coburn, Danica Rome, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and Kamala Harris. After Trump's nomination on June 16, 2015, my friends, dogs, and cats inspired my hope to make America kind again. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the Donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.